one of these weekends I'm going to get the proper response from all of you if you are listening to the gospel. Yeah, just like, what? It should, it should shock you. It should wake you up. You have Jesus, the second person of the divine trinity, love itself, love incarnate, is saying, take this guy, this worthless guy, throw him out into the darkness where there is wailing and grinding of teeth. That should shock you to your core. I don't want to say it should frighten you, but it should wake you up. If you listen to the one with one talent, it gives away what Jesus is so angry about. Why he says, cast this useless servant out of my presence. He says this, I knew you were a man who harvested where you did not plant and gathered where you did not scatter. So, out of fear, I took what you gave me and buried it in the ground. Fear paralyzed this guy. Whereas the two that risked it all, that just kind of went at it with the five and with the two, they're praised. Jesus says, well done. Way to put out into the deep. Way to risk it all. Jesus hates fear. He hates it. And never forget this. The devil's fuel is fear. What gives him power in your life is fear. That's why John says in his first letter, perfect love casts out fear. That's why Therese of Sue says, be disturbed by nothing. There was no place for fear in her heart. <clears throat> I find it interesting that we're given this gospel this weekend. Where Jesus says, don't be afraid. It's the same weekend that our governor imposes a mask mandate, which encourages fear in our state. There are different kinds of fear. I think it's important to realize that. You know, you have in the first reading, it says, the woman who fears the Lord. That's a good fear. But there's also bad fears. I heard a podcast this week, and it was about this guy. His name was Tom Riger. He works for Gallup. You know, the, the guys that do poll, polling, and not that they're worth much anymore, at least politically. But they used to be, and they, he had these polls he took, and he wrote a book based on it. It was called Breaking the Fear Barrier. He did these studies in the late 2000s, right after the, the economic collapse of 2008. And he studied companies that either rebounded, right, from the, the, the economic collapse, or were thriving, or plateaued, or collapsed. And he found that there was one common thread for all of those companies that completely failed. He said the common thread for all the companies that were imploding was that they were functioning out of fear. The kind of fear specifically that permeated these companies was the fear of loss. What do I mean by that? The idea, we've already lost. We can't afford to risk anything else or we will completely lose our company. And so they battened down the hatches 
And they stay the course. They stay the course. The fear of losing the company, losing their pension, losing their job, losing their security paralyzed these companies. And so, as as it were, they took their talent and they buried it for fear of losing it. And in doing that, they buried their company. I love the Bible. You guys got to read the Bible more. And the reason you need to read the Bible more is because all of life is in the Bible. It really is. Look at the parable for today. What happens to the guy that doesn't take any risks, that functions out of fear? Not only is he not praised, he loses his talent. You guys know what a talent is, right? Everybody know what a talent is? Okay, just in case you don't, because not very many of you are shaking your heads. It's a, it's a weight of gold. It's, amount of, it's an amount of money. One talent was 15 years worth of labor. So it's a, I mean, even one, the guy with one has a lot. Guy with five has even more. But he takes the one and says, take it from him and give it to the one that was risky. Give it to the one that went all in. Give it to the one that trusted. Give it to the one that had faith. Just like these companies. We're going to just, we're going to function out of fear and loss of security. And when you do that, you eventually lose everything anyway. God has no time for fear. He is much more concerned about freedom. And our current crisis has embedded a culture of fear into our nation. It has gotten people so afraid. I talk to people all the time who are so anxious and so afraid. For whatever. For their pension, for their company, for their religious freedom, for their health care. Whatever. We have a nation of fear. And I am convinced... That the desire, the, the desire for security is what is behind every fear of human struggle. Pandemics aside, they did a, a survey on people with just wealth. They said, how much money do you need to feel secure? Overwhelmingly, whether you had 60000 or you had $10 million, the answer was this. They wanted enough. They wanted enough to never have to worry about money again. Listen to the reading from from, from St. Paul. There will come a day when people are saying peace and security. And then sudden disaster will come upon them. When will we learn? No matter how much protection we set around. No matter how many hedges we set around us. And for the record, nothing wrong with that. I'm all about insurance. I'm all about pensions. I'm all about saving. But when you make them the center of your life. Yes, you will constantly live in fear Because you have the loss of security is on your doorstep every day of your life. When we learn that we really don't control our lives is when we will begin to experience freedom. There was a guy out of Minokin when I was pastor out there. His name was Jim. Big, burly country rancher. I mean, wranglers, cowboy boots. His, His Sunday best was a plaid shirt with cut-off sleeves and a cowboy hat. Like, he checked his cowboy hat at the door and walked in, sat up front. Jim was uh, one of the toughest men I knew. And then he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and given two months to live. I saw him in his last week of life, and I said to him, I said, Jim, what have you learned through all this? He said, Father, 
I don't control a dang thing. I used to think that I controlled my life, but I really don't. I think that most people live under the illusion that they're invincible <clears throat> until tragedy strikes. I did. I used to think I'm invincible. I still kind of do, I guess, a little bit, but I was completely fearless. If you guys could have seen me in high school and college playing soccer, I was I fearless, I was ruthless, I was mean, I cheated. I haven't always been a priest. <laughs> I thought I was invisible. Nothing could stop. I mean, threw myself into the game. And I never really got seriously hurt. And so that just fueled it even more. When I got into seminary, I still had that desire inside of me. And we had this football game called the Spaghetti Bowl. And the Spaghetti Bowl is <clears throat> the, the new man class versus the rest of the seminary. So it's meant to humble the... The new man class, right? They should lose. Well, that year, they had a D1 quarterback who had left Division I football and had joined seminary. So he was a serious threat. Also on that team was Father Josh Eli. You might recognize that name. He's the rector of the cathedral. He's a bit of a pretty boy. But, uh, but he's a good athlete and a good friend. But I was guarding him. <clears throat> and they... We were only ahead by one touchdown. And they were, they were getting close. And he came out and cut right real hard. And I'm like, there's no way. And I just put my head down and took off as fast as I could, sprinting. I looked up and just, bam, hit the ref. <laughs> I wish it was a better story, but that's it. <clears throat> I hit the ref at top speed. And I don't, he was much bigger than I was. And I don't know how it happened, but I somehow got upside down. So I must have hit with enough force that as it threw me backwards, I was upside. My feet were up there. And as I came down, I put my hand, my elbow was locked, and I put my hand down like this. And all 180 came down, and it was just too much. And it was just... <clears throat> and I, it was, it's on tape. It was so loud. You could hear it from the other sideline. Everybody's just like, oh. You know, one of those, oh, no. And I'm laying on the ground in shock, I suppose, at this point, And I'm just like, no. No, that didn't happen. <laughs> and I pull my arm around. And, like, I have this claw that I can't undo. And my hand is on top of my arm. Like, compound fracture. Bone sticking through the skin. It w and at that point, I was like, no! Right? Everything kind of hit that, yeah, it happened. It definitely happened. But we live under this illusion that we control, that we're like invincible. We don't need God. And if I keep things under my control, I'm secure. And that is just a flat out lie. And if we let fear control us, it will determine our lives. It will ruin our lives. But it doesn't have to. When we let security become our main concern, then we will gladly allow ourselves to be slaves in exchange for the illusion of security, which is what we are currently doing as a country. It has happened before. Like I said, read the Bible. Every human experience is in the Bible. That and Lord of the Rings. If you read those two books, you will have the fullness of literature for the human experience. I promise you. Remember the Israelites. Let's just go back really quick to the Israelites. Remember that? Right after the Exodus? They have just seen the God of Israel manhandle the Egyptians, the most powerful nation in the, in the Middle East. They get to the sea and they're like, oh my 
and God splits the sea in two. And then they get to the other side, all of Pharaoh's army drowns, and, they, and they're out in the desert. And what do the people say to Moses? Hey man, thanks! Thanks for getting us out of that hellhole. No. Remember what they say? Why'd you bring us out here to die? Why didn't you just leave us there? Yeah, we were slaves, but at least we had security, we had food, we had work, we had housing. It was terrible, we were slaves, but at least we had security. Out here, we got nothing. We're powerless. And that's right where God wants you to be. Right in that place where you got nothing. Because when you realize that, then you have everything. Because you'll truly rely on Him. What happens when the Israelites rely on Him? Food magically appears. Water shoots out of a rock. They have no security in the desert. And they become the great nation of Israel. The light to the world. You guys, it takes guts to live free. Guts that we as a nation have had ripped out of us by fear. You want to see it in history? Size the Bible? Look at Soviet Russia. The Soviet regime gave people security. It was miserable security, but it was security. They had jobs. I mean, they were terrible jobs, but they had it. They had food, barely enough to live, but they had it. They had free health care. Don't forget about that. Oh, yeah, the best. The best in Soviet Russia. They had, oh, oh, and they had free education, too. And what were they teaching? Every Soviet lie was indoctrinated into their kids. All in the name of free health care. People traded their freedom for the illusion of security. Sound familiar? Does it sound familiar? There's this great scene in Braveheart where William Wallace is, the army is facing down the rebel, or the English army. Vast army. There's very little chance of success, almost none. And Wallace says to them all, I'm going to do my best here. Sons of Scotland, I am William Wallace, and I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You have come to fight as free men, and free men you are. But what would you do without freedom? Would you fight? And one of the veteran soldiers says, Fight? Against that? No. We'll run. And we will live. And Wallace says, I fight and you may die. Run, and you may live, at least for a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that one for just one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they can take our lives, but they can never take our freedom? I thought you were all going to applaud at the end of this. <laughs> You guys, Christianity is a fighting religion. We are a fighting religion. And it is always as we fight and push and evangelize, freedom. Freedom lives. That's why this country is the land of the free, because it was founded on Christian principles. When we lose our freedom is when we bury our talents out of fear. Christianity is not about security. It has nothing to do with being in control. How do we know this? 
That's our image. The God-man pinned to a cross. Naked. Humiliated. Powerless. But obedient to the will of the Father. That is him fighting. And that's how we fight. We fight by letting go of control and letting God into our hearts so that he can work in and through us. And when he does that, God's great ideas become a reality in our lives. So my question for you this weekend is, what do you take security in? What is owning you? I just started a fast that I'm doing until just before Christmas. Why? Because I've gotten lazy. Because I've gotten comfortable. Because I've taken too much pleasure in the world. And it's time for a reckoning. It's time to beat this body down again. Discipline. It's what this country lacks more than anything. Because when we're comfortable, we get lazy. So my encouragement is for you to fight back. Wherever you're placing your false security, fight that. Do not trade your freedom in Christ for some false illusion of security. And this week, when you find that false security, track it down and slit its throat. And say, God, this is for you. This is for you. Never be ruled by fear. Because Christians fight fear for freedom.